0: It is unavoidable, it is your destiny. Welcome to the Your Destiny podcast, a Star Wars Destiny podcast on everything relating to Star Wars Destiny, the collectible card game. My name is Klaus, I'll be your host today. My name is Mess and I'll be your co-host. And uh, we're running a new format where we only record podcasts every half a year. But then instead (laughs) of having them uh, 45 minutes, they will now be 24 hours. (laughs) So we're recording 24 hours straight. Podcast uh, (laughs) marathon. And uh, we'll be uh, dropping clothes as we go for every hour. It's such a success already it's a, it's a brilliant new format Yeah, I
1: mean, there's so many Star Wars Destiny podcasts out there We really got to do something to spice it up And they're all really good, actually Yeah, they're actually yeah. A, probably a bit, very, very good It's just a saturated market, yeah. the pod, Star Wars Destiny podcast So, like uh, so our thing is just that they're really, really long Yeah, we, we don't want quality, we just want quantity yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so many minutes of podcasting.
0: We've already uh, gone into, in various articles on our website, we've gone into why we haven't been able to release podcasts in our last five things that are hot uh, not about Destiny. Uh, I was trying to explain that we've been really, really busy. Uh, you've been in school trying to finish your studies after 20 years of uh, <laughs> not doing anything. Now, suddenly you uh, you need to finish.
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really
0: hard. Yeah. Activating the brain cells. Yeah. We we also have really bad excuses. Adriana, our producer, she has been working. Uh, I've been trying to run the website. All bad excuses. Yeah, they're yeah. really... I mean, I mean, not even that busy. <laughs> but uh, we're back... And it's a pretty exciting time, mm-hmm. um, so for our comeback podcast, which is our 30th episode. Oh, we um, should have done uh, Yeah, I know. Things. We'll be talking about all the things that has happened, not just since we released the podcast, but uh, of course, since Convergence landed, the seventh uh, expansion to Star Wars Destiny, with rotation and whatnot, a lot of exciting things. So
1: um, yeah, yeah, and you've been actually been playing a lot here in these Convergence mm-hmm. days, you've been to... Yeah. GQ in Milton Key,
0: the Keynes. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a GQ
1: coming up here. In yeah, a, we have in a, a GQ weeks.
0: coming up in Malmö. We have another GQ coming up in June in uh, Bologna in Italy. So, a lot of things going on. And then, of course, let's see when the uh, Spark of Hope, which is the eighth expansion, and it has already been announced. Yeah, But with FFG, of course, we never know when it will release. <laughs> yeah,
1: but after now, Convergence. The release for curtain was so long and we didn't hear anything. We were just left in the dark and no spoilers for a long time. It's nice to see them
0: being a little more on top of it. So actually, to be fair to FFG, they never said that they were going to release Convergence on a certain date. They just said that they were going to release it in Q1, so in quarter one of the year, which they did. The annoying thing is that it would have been nice to know when the set dropped. Yeah. (laughs) But we've already been over that we're not having uh, too high hopes, even for a set call, Spark of Hope. Uh, we might just have a Spark of Hope there. So,
1: but the last one, across the galaxy, they were on time, or on point, they globally. nailed it. Yeah, yeah. And so, with Convergence, they dropped the ball again. Yeah. But I think next time they're going to nail it again. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to alternate between yeah. getting it right.
0: So actually, the, the big thing is, of course, that we have a lot of premier tournaments coming up around the time when spark of hope can be expected so for instance it's going to have massive importance whether or not spark of hope will be there before events like euros 2019 happening in krakow in august whether it's going to be there before gen con with uh, the north american championship which is going to take place shortly after euros if spark of hope is going to be there is it going to be the same for the two events and so on that's of course going to make a huge difference This is everybody saying Gonna bring the flame, I'll show you how Got a question for you, better answer now Rotation, first three sets rotated out the entire awakenings block is something that a lot of players they were really talking about and uh, we were talking about in positive terms as in that we really wanted the game to get reignited. It felt like there was a fatigue in the game, people were getting a bit tired of the same card pool, um, they were getting a bit tired of some of the abusive cards that they felt were overpowered or badly designed from the Awakenings blocks, whether it was second chance, whether it was hyperspace jumps, Sith holocrons, four speeds, uh, what not, ancient lightsabers maybe even. Um, and it did change a lot of things. Looking a bit at rotation, uh, what is the most important part? So, drawing in some of your experiences from Magic the Gathering, friends, what is the most important part for competitive players when it comes to rotation? So,
1: just right out of the bat, you we've, we talked about this for, mm-hmm. but you want to keep it fairly simple because. Uh, so, if we divide this, is sort of a. a it's not that applicable to Destiny, but if you look at decks as aggressive, more mid-range, or controlish, which are all magic terms and they're not directly applicable, but mm. you, uh, let's call them vehicle decks and mill decks being the more controlish, mm. slower decks, mm. and then a two-character aggro being being the faster mid-range or aggressive mm. decks. Mm. Uh, and usually, just coming out of the gate, it's much be- easier to build an, an aggressive deck. Uh, mm. You know what it wants to do, it just want to find damage size and just shoot off your opponent's characters. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot easier to, you don't need to get the mitigation just right as long as you have upgrades with mm. damage sites on them. You're going to use your money every turn, you're going to apply pressure and you're going to mm. execute your game plan. Mm. So, so that's very easy to, to go into. And this, the, the, it's the same is true just in, in opposite for the, the slower decks where you need your mitigation to be just mm. right. Uh, so it's very hard for a mill deck for instance if they don't know what they're playing against yeah. how how do they make their mitigation sweet and they're not gonna figure it out just right on the go so mm. so these slower mill decks are gonna be a lot harder to to get right mm. and they usually need some more time so in week one you'll you'll most often see aggressive decks or that sort of decks do do mm. very well yeah, Um Vehicles sort of falls in a strange category where actually it can do sort of the same as and the aggressive decks I was talking about. As long as you play your vehicles and you, you know, mm. your mm. your characters can generate resource, you can actually build a good mill deck just out the bat, mm. um, and you don't need it actually to the mitigation suite to be just right for the for the vehicle deck. I oh, mean vehicle deck. Yeah, right, for, yeah, for vehicle yeah. deck to to be that efficient, it's more in the case of mill decks where you need your mm. mitigation suite to be yeah. perfect. Mm. Uh, so vehicle decks can be good right out the bat but you know if there's a lot of aggressive decks um, mm-hmm. maybe uh, yeah, maybe your vehicle deck is, is okay suited but um, they are at least as long as you, your deck has a proactive game plan mm-hmm. they're a lot, m- lot easier to make in an unknown metagame, yeah, yeah. where if it's a reactive, you don't know what you're reacting to, so mm-hmm. Mill and other decks with that are mm-hmm. reactive.
0: So right now we're looking at actually a bit of a change in archetype, because what we when we normally refer to a vehicle deck, that would be the classical support vehicle deck. That would be what we saw uh, with the Rainbow Hero vehicle deck, uh, that was back when you could play Ashra uh, together with uh, uh, Rose and, um, and Ayla. That's sort of like your classical setup. Uh, it's a bit, it's tanky. It plays out loads of vehicles, load of loads of different supports. They're not particularly powerful, but the mass of it. So at some point, you're going to get assaulted by eight vehicles in one round. Yep. So you have this critical mass round where you just flood the the pool with dice, and you're going to annihilate your opponent's characters. Up until that point is like a build up phase. Now we're looking at uh, a bit of a different setup for what we would normally refer to as vehicle deck, but they actually just support decks. Most of their supports are no longer vehicles and they are much more powerful. Yep. So we talked about it in relation to the establishment or the creation of our gauntlet on our website. Yeah. I refer to the three cards that we will talk a bit about as the Unholy Trinity in Destiny, uh, essentially consisting of the old Vedas Fist, uh, the new Mega Blaster Troopers, and Entourage. Um, they are the Unholy Trinity because uh, they are so good that if you play Rainbow and you don't play these cards, you're probably doing something wrong. And on top of that, they are all... Almost breaking the curve for how you design a card. Yep. So talking about that, we talked a bit about it before the podcast, namely that what you're looking for in, I mean, you could basically say the optimal card that you can get in Destiny is a card that replaces itself and pays for itself right so you're basically now you just whether it's an upgrade or support if it can pay for itself and re- replenish itself in your hand then you're basically having the ultimate card yep um, and just to give you
1: guys an example that we used earlier and yeah. one of the earlier part a card like promotion from the old block maybe we should go let's say treasured lightsaber instead yeah. just yeah. Uh, for newer listeners but if you play a for lightsaber draw a card and then it Throughout the the course of the next two rounds, you get resources with it. Yeah. Now you pay for sales and the additional rounds is just gonna net value. Yeah, yeah. Or you can also create damage with it, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be worth some sort of resources. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you just you know you you play it, but because when they also draw cards, mm-hmm. you're not negative in, in card balance mm-hmm. if you can, oh. you
0: can put it that way. You also get a, a card draw advantage because the cards that you use, you just replenish them in your hand. And that's what we are seeing with a card like Entourage. Yeah. Entourage is uh, the yellow uh, neutral support, costs three resources, and then it allows you to tutor uh, in a new scoundrel card. So uh, you can basically find another Entourage, you can find a hired muscle, you can find a fickle mercenary in your deck. And on top of that, so now you basically, you, you took care of the card advantage, right? So you have that extra card in your hand, and now you just need to find a way to generate three resources. And you can almost get there because it can generate two resource because it's a two resource side, which is massively powerful, right? So you just one resource off before you break the curve. So you might even say if you hit the two resource side, you're actually going even right now. Um, when it, If you could be able to generate three resources, you would have been breaking the curve. It would actually be a totally overpowered card. So you're looking at an effect here where you have a card that's so powerful that because there's no expenses in, in relation to this card it just starts from as of early as round two when you can reactivate it it just starts doing whatever it does and that's going to add to your board state constantly
1: that's in terms of generating value where you mm. you, you know you spend your early games setting up i call the vehicle decks i think you're right support decks now is a much more appropriate name so let's keep it keep mm. calling support mm. decks where you spend your early games setting up, for instance, playing an entourage, finding mm. the two resources, playing another entourage, and you're not knitting any value that turn. But the next round, when they're also generating resources, mm. then you start accumulating. Yeah. Uh, there's also a different view uh, of measuring your vehicles or your supports that like mm. we we're talking mm. about.
0: Yeah, so that's essentially looking at, so not not all supports, they can generate resources no. and some of them can, I mean, some of them have blanks instead of resource size like the Mega Blaster Troopers, but then you're looking at the damage output. So you are, you're looking at, in order for a support or vehicle to uh, return on investment when you play it, you will need in the course of a full game for it to deal at least two damage for every resource spent. So if you have a vehicle or support that costs you three resources, if you can't get your cards and it can't get your resource, you want it to at least give six damage or deal six damage throughout the course of a game. And now we're looking at with Mega Blaster Troopers, that's four resources spent. With Vader's Fist, it's five resources spent. So they're supposed to actually give you at least 10 damage for the Vader's Fist, and they're supposed to give you eight damage for the Mega Blaster Troopers. And they can actually almost hit that in the first round yes yeah, pretty crazy uh, that's crazy right because we used to have like if you were looking at a card like the old classic gray airspeeder, uh, which was a phenomenal support yeah. that one had a cap on two damage or it could take a card, right? So draw, you could. Draw two so, you, so you could draw two cards. So it could give you the card advantage, or it could give damage. But in either case, if you were to look at the um, the damage output, you would need at least two rounds, yeah. right? Now with Vader's Fist, for instance, you can hit nine damage without paying any resources. Nine range damage without paying any resource for it. So that's five resources you pay for, for the Vader's Fist, and it can almost pay itself back in range damage round so, one. So
1: this number two damage per that you're working with right mm-hmm. now in your... Mm-hmm. That's, that's called game theory because yeah, you, yeah, you're yeah. trying to evaluate yeah. your card. So how do you get two damage per resource?
0: Yeah, so I think that you're basically trying to compare it to cards that we know from the game. Uh, cards like lightsaber throw, for instance, this uh, uh, blue event that allows you to pay one resource you have to show melee damage and then you just deal two damage. So that's damage out of hand, right? So it's, yeah, it's like... A,
1: uh, yeah, so it's a really good like baseline for... for because let's say you play an air and you and know, you only get two damage out of it and then you get blank and then you get a shield throughout Mm, the three mm. rounds but I throw two lightsaber throws yeah, at you. Yeah. you know, I, I spent two resources to deal four damage mm. direct, and you didn't quite get there, and you spent a lot of actions mm. as well. So mm. you would much, much rather have played just you know, yeah, two yeah. lightsaber throws or two backup muscles. or.
0: It, it's, of course, not a way to properly evaluate cards because we need to get much deeper into yeah, the yeah. matrix of designing cards. But it is a way for us to find out what is the power level of cards comparatively, right? Yeah. So are cards really inherently powerful or do they need something else? Do they have to synergize with other cards? You have supports previously that were almost there, like the crate resistance speeder, for instance, was almost there because it had the ability to put on a damage token and then go to three for the two resource, right? So it's also two resource to play the crate resistance speeder yep. and you could bump the damage to three. Oh, yeah, 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 but yeah. but then you would need to take the damage token off uh, using rows or whatever. Uh, and then you could do it one more time. So it could actually pay for Itself by uh, by round two, it would also be able to pay for itself even with the low damage side,
1: right? That's actually a deck I was very close, and um, that philosophy exactly was when I was. We, we were very close to pl- pl- bringing a Rose Yoda Gunken deck for uh, for worlds actually. Yeah. With yep. that, uh, especially uh, in mind, where you would play create a, a hard Mulligan for the resistant creature, mm-hmm. leader, play it out, use Yoda Focus to put it at a resource, take the damage, yep. and yep. just take the two resources. So round one, it costs two to play, and you pick up two resources, mm-hmm. and from there on, you just Gener- start generating value yeah, off yeah. Your, your. Actually, vehicles.
0: so I mean, this is of course history by now, but actually, the reason why we changed to Rayela back then uh, was actually due to Destiny, right? Yep. Because that card gave you so, I mean, uh, it re- allowed you to ramp so hard that looking at your damage output and looking at your effective gain in terms of dice you could put in the pool, it was so high compared even to vehicle decks uh, that you could actually almost outma- uh, outmatch vehicle decks and you could find that moment of critical mass very very fast in the rail deck as well
1: yeah there's another aspect to this the game theory that uh, we should probably also bring up, is that of course if let's say you play Vader's Fist and mm-hmm. you get throughout the course of the game you get 10 damage out of it mm-hmm. now in, with your matrix of, of evaluating cards it's sort of paid for itself yeah, yeah. I'm playing a, a lightsaber throw uh but I need to cast it five times in order to mm-hmm. achieve that same. So you only spend one card to yeah, do it. Yeah. and uh, you know. So I gotta find five additional cards if I want to have the mm-hmm. same effect, mm-hmm. making Vader's fist, of course, very, very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, all the vehicles are very slow. So even though mm-hmm. they might be more powerful than the two damage for a resource matrix yeah, exactly. that we're working with, they're also much slower in terms sure, of actions. Sure. So so you 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 gotta keep evaluating. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, and, you get more punch for your money or more you know, power for your money, but you also lose a lot of, yeah. lot of tempo. And,
0: and of course, there are a lot of other things that have to be taken into yeah. consideration, which you can't really calculate. No. I mean, one of the reasons why you would say two damage for one uh, resource is also because very often, up until convergence, up until maybe across the galaxy at least, a regular die would have a two damage side as the highest side. Yeah. So it would be two, two, maybe, or three, two, three for a resource and a two side. Uh, that's very often what you would see. But you would spend that normally in order to play those heavy-hitting supports, you would need to turn it to a resource side instead. So now you're missing out on that damage, and you need that gain somewhere else, right? So that's, I mean, that's a part of the whole calculation. Of course, it's not a set calculation, and that's not how how to probably do it. But it was what we used in order to try and look at these three cards that sort of forms the Unholy Trinity, namely saying, why is it that Mega Blaster Troopers, why is it that Vader's Fist and Entourage are so powerful? cards and why should you play them right they are so powerful because they give you such a huge uh, return on investment in
1: they really do and if you if you look at it as you know in order for five resources to to do 10 damage if this is an effect i'm looking for in my deck playing one vader's fist and doing the 10 damage you know i've essentially drawn five cards Mm -hmm. so you know i've netted a whole lot of extra just by playing that one card because it's so impactful as it is
0: and then of course there's another part of playing support which has become really powerful namely that support have become really difficult to remove. Yeah. Some of the cards that were the most effective cards to remove supports support they're not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, so there's basically right now we look at Vandalize. And, and yeah. a lot
1: of these three white decks you know they're playing three characters with with one die each. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, four dice total, four character dice yeah, total. Absolutely. So they can't remove a fist. You know, they yeah. only have four character dice. Even if their yeah. opponent has no mitigation yeah. and you roll out all your character dice,
0: yeah. you're still not killing that Vader's yeah. fist. And, and of course, there's no doubt, and it's no surprise, really, to see the two of the decks that are topping the charts, that are topping the meta right now, and are looking to do exceedingly well in most premier tournaments. Uh, they are playing the Unholy Trinities. And it almost independent of which character setup you have, so the ones, I could say, the two most popular right now, that's the uh, E-Snow, nope, Watto, First Order Stormtrooper. It's, I mean, that's right out of the gate. That's the character pairing everybody was expecting to do well. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Watto in a second, but uh, the other character pairing is using Mother Talson. Um, using what Tambo and elite water instead, uh, also rainbow um, in some of the versions playing with Talisman because you're a bit more restricted in your in your design of your deck. they are not actually playing with the mangablaster troopers, uh, but some are playing with the mangablast troopers uh, as, as two uh, copies of your maybe two or four uh, even caustic tarts in, in the deck. There are a whole lot of things to be said about these two decks, but they are essentially doing the same powerful thing. They are looking at one of the most powerful cards in the game, and they try to bring all of them. Uh, at least that's the case for the uh, for the Snoke deck, which is not limited in, in, in deck design. Uh, and maybe where the Snoke deck does have an advantage over the Talsing deck is because it allows you to bring all the best cards, including the uh, um, even-costed mitigation cards. Uh, Forsaken, for instance, probably the best mitigation card in the game right now. Yeah, I think so. Because you're looking at character dice now that Vader is not in the meta, or at least he looks like he's sort of in the periphery of the meta. He had all these huge size three and four damage sides, which he can't remove with Forsaken. Most characters now, they have low uh, sides, uh, 1s or 2s or even zeros or specials. You can remove all of that with Forsaken. It's super easy to set it up. Yep. Uh, forsaken, Doubt, uh, There are just so many good mitigation cards yep. right now. We were worried about whether the mitigation suite was going to be softened up. with Yeah, rotation. We, we, we
1: really thought so <laughs> uh, because a lot of the zero cost mitigation were. It, 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 it was looking like it was dropping out. Yeah. And if you if you have to pay one resource for all your mitigation yeah, to be yeah. live, yeah, you know, it sort of puts a, a limit at what sort of decks you can play because you know you can't play. Two character aggro deck that doesn't generate any money. If you you know, because then they can't play their upgrades mm. because mm. they don't have money for the mitigation. So sort of it's it's very restricting it's, it's uh, uh. in deck building. But because there is, we, we're starting to see a lot more free mitigation mm. coming back with uh, reprinting uh. of doubt and forsaken. and... Yeah. Pacifism back uh, from across the galaxy. Yeah, yeah right? for for heroes. A uh, pacifier. Yeah,
0: yeah um, one of the decks that you talked about, and that's actually also now gauntlet. Um, and Mike Gem from the Hyperloops, he uh, wrote an article with a click baiting yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, title, uh, "The Most Broken Deck Ever." I think that's an interesting. So it, it comes in two different shapes. Maybe talk a bit about it.
1: Yeah, so at least the next one for my next, uh, we have a Your Destiny League. Uh, mm-hmm. For my next League match, I'm going to be playing Afra Sentinel, Messenger, and Grievous mm-hmm. uh, at 31 points. But yeah. Grievous making the Sentinel Messenger because <laughs> he's a forced droid or whatever. He he's a droid at least, so yeah, he's, yeah. he's getting one cheaper by the Grievous, uh, Grievous passive ability. Mm-hmm. So actually making it a rainbow 30 point uh, deck with 28 life.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, 29? Is it? Wait, so wait. it's 10, 8, and uh, ten, 9, yeah. so 27. Uh,
1: ten, uh, 10, 10, and 8, and yeah. yeah it's 28.
0: No, yeah, no, so... no, it's 27. Okay. Greaves is 9.
1: Oh, Greaves is 9. All right, yeah. yeah. All right, 27. But it's still pretty sweet, and then you get um, so you get a lot of good things going on with you know, Rainbow and 27 health, but then you also have Aphra's ability. Mm. So between Aphra and uh, Sentinel Messenger, you're mm. just seeing so many cards deep. Yeah. Almost ensuring that you can uh, get your your droid combo out very fast with Afro being the, mm. the triple zero and BT one, which we saw in yeah. this is uh, last fall in around November, where this was the deck to beat, where you were playing
0: snow snow for battle droid. droid. Yeah, yeah. And the it was sad deck it was called. Pretty dominant <laughs> in,
1: in in that month's uh, time, where essentially if you could build your combo with triple zero and BT one, you just apply so much pressure mm. just off the mm. passive yeah, abilities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And with effort digging so deep, uh, and then you also have the messenger dig one deeper extra Mm -hmm. round, essentially giving you six cards every round with the amount of draw that you see. Mm -hmm. Very weak to mill. Because you, you go churning through decks so fast, yeah. but against any other strategy, you're just very very efficient at setting up your combo. So, so that's gonna be my next. Uh, yeah, and
0: and and, and of course, I, I said there are two different versions. The two different versions is that you can either choose to go double die on Afra, double die on Grievous, so that's the choice, you're going 31 points but 30 points with uh, with Grievous ability, or you can choose to add the oh, armor yes. reinforcement, of course, yeah. um, which is another broken card in the game, uh, basically magic together a tutor for a vehicle together with profitable connections you get a discount on the vehicle you yep. play so the this is sort of like a hard choice to make here what do you do are you going two dice either an Afra or two dice on Grievous or do you add an armored reinforcement in order to get a hellfire droid tank into the deck as well right yep. um, if you have armored reinforcement together with Afra's ability to play your first droid one cheaper um, and the uh, discount from the armored reinforcement you can actually pull and uh, hillfire droid tank immediately from the day and just played out yep. you get to roll out the die immediately due to the hellfire droid tank's ability maybe you hit the two disrupt side and you 're now forcing your opponent into uh, into using or spending his resources if he has anything to spend it on yep. if not you just take the, take away the resources if he spends the resources you can use uh, grievous power action to reroll the hellfire <laughs> droid tank it 's so broken in so many yeah, and, and,
1: uh, getting a hillfire droid out as just your first vehicle, just getting it out there also means that from there on, your, all your next droids and vehicles do additional value. Yeah, so yeah. it's incredibly powerful to just mm. get it out there because I you start, you know, ambushing out all your droids or dealing indirect yeah, yeah. with all your vehicles. Yeah. It's a very, very good good vehicle to get mm. out just as you're around one. Here you go, yeah. eat my droid tank.
0: And we really saw from across the galaxy meta and, and that that trend seems to continue into the Convergence meta. That afra and the indirect damage where you get to draw cards, you get to see more cards, you get to uh, draw your mitigation when you need it, is a super powerful mechanism. In the beginning, it, I, I didn't really recognize how powerful it was. I mean, of course, the card draw makes sense, but you, I mean, you were just chipping away at your opponent, and it didn't feel like it was fast enough against heavy-hitting uh, support decks or uh, against aggro decks. But surprisingly enough, it is. I mean, you basically, um, even if you just deal two, three, four, five, six interact around you are still constantly, because you're removing dice constantly, right? You have so much mitigation, and all of your mitigation, or almost all of your mitigation, also deals damage to your opponent, yep. because you deal yourself indirect damage. And then I think that in that particular deck, probably one of the VIP cards is actually Bubble Shield, because Bubble Shield adds another 6 effective health to your deck. So 20, uh, 27 health, you actually have 33 health for a 3-character team, right? Yeah, with
1: 2 Bubble Shields. yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're just so efficient in that deck because you're dealing indirect to yourself. So normally, you know... it's a, it's a big liability to play a card like Bubble Shield because if your <laughs> isn't playing indirect, you're not just not doing anything. No, no. But when you're doing it yourself, it doesn't really matter. You can just play it without um, the, the liability.
0: Yeah. yeah, and you have you play cards like Dangerous Maneuver which moves damage from your characters to the Bubble Shield but you're still dealing yourself indirect yep. damage so your opponent takes damage off that. You draw cards off that. I mean, there's so many small mechanisms. Uh, I think one of my gem's points was that it doesn't do one powerful thing it does a lot of small powerful things but when you start adding all of these small powerful things together you're just looking at a totally broken deck A lot of tournaments are coming up. It looks like FFG, they're really cool in going all in on the Galactic Qualifiers. What I like about the Galactic Qualifiers is that they support all three formats. Uh, normally, the setup for Galactic Qualifiers is that you have two standard events, you have one infinite event, and one trilogy event. I for one I enjoy I mean it's a difficult uh, format I think infinite is a really difficult format because they made all the changes in the infinite holocron all the points cost changes to characters all the subtype uh, changes but it's a refreshing thing and I like that that you get to I mean just do wacky stuff and uh, just use all the cards all the broken cards get to uh, play double down and triple holocrons and four speeds Mm -hmm. and shit. So you got two GQs coming up. You got Malmo in Sweden, and you got some in in Italy. Italy.
1: So, uh, do you have an idea of what you're going to be playing?
0: So, uh, right now we're still in. So, we're basically in the beginning of the convergence meta. You are seeing the meta sort of solidifying a bit around some of the decks. The big change for me compared to Milton Keynes is that I played a lot more convergence games. Uh, Actually, prior to Milton Keynes, I hadn't played a competitive game. For months. And I got to play very little when it didn't come to testing decks. I was writing deck analysis stuff. And very often my testing would be based on five games and I would just rush through five games. I would take notes. Uh, and that's not a way to play. I mean, that you don't get a lot of training out of that. But now, actually, because of a lot of our patrons, I've been able to take in a lot more test games. It's pretty awesome. And we have some excellent players in in our patron. Uh, So they are on our Discord. They participate in our Your Destiny League. Just watching the games also, you get a lot of good training and watching a guy like Greg Pike, the UK champion who's playing in the league, uh, watching Simon Willis, uh, uh, or Nightbringer, Adam Lensberg, who's now the... Uh, he was top four at Nordic's uh, double regional champion. and All these guys, they play and they play consistently well. Uh, so I'm really starting to get sort of an idea on what I want to play and why I want to play it and what matchups does it have and what good and bad matchups. One of, I think, one of the biggest... Uh, blind spots right now in the meta is how strong will Mill be um, that's probably what I have the most difficult uh, sort of f- f- figuring out at the end of the Across the Galaxy meta we saw one Mill deck in particular Yoda layer, do really really well actually so well that if you were playing a deck which wasn't that mill deck you needed to be sure that you could do well against the mill deck right so for instance at the uh, copenhagen regional event where you were as well uh, we were playing the fat Shadowcaster deck and that has a really bad matchup against the, uh, the Mildek. Pretty, pretty rough. Yeah, you had a top four game against uh, Matthias Milko, the eventual winner of yeah. the event. And that was two really rough matches. I actually won against him in my last game in the Swiss rounds, yep. But I feel that at that point we knew how strong that deck was. So we knew that we were, we were going to have to counter that deck. Right now it looks like we have two versions of the Mill deck. Either Jodeleia... It could maybe be Leia Lando, which also looks really strong because they mill so aggressively in the beginning and because we don't have any aggro decks out there that can take care of it early on. So, I mean, just before going to the GQ anticipations, one interesting aspect actually in a tournament setting is that if you play a deck like, let's say, 3 White Snoke, you're probably looking at going for a 4-2-5-1 or 6-0 record in a six-round Swiss tournament because the deck is so good. Uh, and if you are just a consistent player yourself, so you would be aiming for four two five one or six zero, what would very often happen in a meta where you have a lot of aggro decks like fast aggro decks, Kes, Rex, or you know the the good old classic Poe Hondo or whatever shit, is that a mill deck would get defeated by those decks, so they sort of go down early, so you never meet them. Because they will be resurfacing and you'll probably win your first game. Because if you play against an aggro deck, you're going to defeat them with a three-white uh, deck. So it's sort of there's a weird dynamic in a tournament.
1: And, and here you're referring to the, the traditional, let's call it rock, paper, scissors of, of yeah, Destiny yeah, Where no, aggro exactly. deck beats mill, yeah. vehicles beats aggro, yeah. uh, and then mill beats vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. decks. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, But there's sort of like a tendency that if you have really strong aggro decks, and they are popular. Like Poe Hondo, for instance, Yoda Hondo. They were aggro decks, but they were super popular. So you knew that, I don't know, a third or fourth or fifth of the field would be those kind of aggro decks, and they would meet mill decks. Then they would beat the mill decks really early on, which meant that if you were playing a consistent deck, like Three White Snow whatever, then uh, unless you met a mill deck in the beginning, you would actually avoid them all the way through the tournament, maybe just meeting the best mill deck at the end of the tournament or on the top card. But that has sort of changed now. Because you don't have these aggro decks. So mill decks are doing exceedingly well in the beginning. Uh, So it feels like. Now, mill decks are in a really, uh, really good spot, both in terms of the construction of tournaments, the way that they do within the format within this Rock Paper Sister, if it really exists anymore. Uh, and on top of that, they do really well against three whites, they do really well against two whites, um, and they are super aggressive, much more aggressive than previously. What we saw with the Millionaire's deck, that was a three white deck advertised by the Hyperloops um, that also won the North American Championship this and so back on. back in Across the Galaxy. Yeah, the yeah, end. exactly. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't an aggressive mill deck. It was a consistent mill deck. It just milled round after round after round, surviving, 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 putting second chances on, just having mitigation constantly. What we're looking at at Leia Lando, for instance, is that they milled 12 cards out of your deck first round.
1: And then they take the hit of 8 damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah they just tank
0: the yeah. damage, right? Because they have 11 uh, health in both characters. So they just take a, a hit to the face. Maybe they heal 4 with the first aid. Maybe they heal 2 with a field medic. But it's okay. They'll go into the next round thinking, if I can take another 12 cards now, yeah, you're dead, then, you're <laughs> then then you're dead by the beginning of next round.
1: It was like, it, so actually, that dynamic was, was came up at the very region we're talking about. Where, yeah. So we have two; we only have two MILDex signed up for the whole regional. Yeah. Both of them are so they're two good friends and actually are let's call them our rivals. <laughs> uh, and they've been playing and testing together. And then um, they meet up in the first quarterfinal in the top eight. Yeah, yeah. And one of them is playing Millionaires and the other one is playing Yoda Leia. And the Millionaire players immediately scoops. They have yeah. played this matchup. <laughs> 30 times yeah. between them or something yeah, so they yeah, knew exactly yeah. what was up there was no yeah. it was not even worth testing no, it no, or no. trying it out they, yeah. they knew exactly what was going to happen yeah. uh, Yoralea just being so because it doesn't spend that much mini card slots on, on mm. second chances and or you know that's sort of a reactive card. It's yeah, just more yeah. proactive yeah. And it's milling, and it's it just mills a little faster and.
0: And it doesn't need a lot of upgrades. It doesn't need a lot of help actually, just to mill the cards out. You just need the power action of layer. Uh, you just need to hit uh, one of the. Uh, you need to hit a full resource side uh, on uh, on land, and then you can. Oh, that's mill. Like the land. I was talking about Ah, uh, uh, the the yoda layer, the oh, yeah, layer yeah, yeah. beating. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but. It, it's not as as aggressive. It's more in the middle ground. Let's yeah, let's yeah. call uh, millionaires being you know very reactive mm. and uh, Lando Leia being very proactive. Yeah, yeah. And then Yoda yeah, Leia. sort of so, in between. the middle. But yeah. it was just very telling that because they played the matchup so many times, yeah. uh, millionaires versus Yoda Leia Mil, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they just knew exactly what was going. So they didn't even play it out. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: Then there are some new mill decks out there. Uh, and Tech has three wide mill decks. They look incredibly strong. Yep. Uh, a deck uh, made by one of our patrons, Struck. Um, he calls it the billionaire's deck. <laughs> uh, because it makes so much money compared to the millionaires. It's They're even richer. <laughs> and that one also just mills. I mean, it. You you need to see it in action. Actually, we have a deck analysis up, um, so you need to check that one out. Uh, It's a really, really strong deck. I like Snoke. I like my Unholy Trinity. I'll probably bring one of those decks, at least for one of the standard events. I think that... Not playing Rainbow just doesn't feel right in this matter. I, I want to go Rainbow. So this is actually something we we're talking about when
1: the card pool was smaller. So it was something we can bring up again mm. because it's, we just have rotation and we just have a very limited card pool right now. Yeah, yeah. It is just a piece of game theory. But the bigger the card pool is, the smaller is the gap between your worst card in your deck. You know the the number thirty mm. card you put in there because you know you have to put thirty, and the best card, the card yeah, your, your, your first lineup. The better, the more cards you are, the smaller the gap is. Mm. The better your worst card is. Mm. And so when there's a huge card pool, you can more easily afford to play monocolor. Yeah, uh, yeah. because you know you, you start seeing even though it's your thirtieth card, you just have so many cards available. Yeah, exactly. So the card number exactly. thirty is a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But with rotation happening, so many cards rotated out, yeah, a card yeah. pool is a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Now you need to sort of evaluate more if you yeah. wanna be monocolor. Yeah. Being a mono red hero deck now, you know, even though a mono red hero got a lot of cool upgrades. Mm-hmm. Is it really worth it? Because now your thirtieth card is, is a lot worse than mm. it was. So with this smaller card per this rotation having yeah. you should start looking to playing more as many colors as possible.
0: Yeah. I think the actually now that you touch upon it, I think the only two decks that can reliably be played mono right now are actually uh, mono red heroes for for aggro or mono red villains for aggro these are because they actually did get buffed a bit they did get some some tools i mean remember back in the day when uh, sabine ashra was a thing mono yellow hero deck who would play mono uh, yellow hero deck today i mean that deck doesn't exist so i think that going rainbow is probably where i want to be i probably also want to play supports simply because the supports are so good yeah. I mean, we just spent the whole podcast talking about it. They're so good. are and you us? Megablaster Troopers, Vader's Fist. They're so good. I need really strong counter-arguments not to play them. And I think the only strong counter-argument in this instance is probably Mill, uh, because it does have a weak Mill matchup. So if I see that TTS is uh, overcrowded with Mill players, I might be thinking about switching.
1: Another argument for the strength of support that we haven't touched on so, uh, normally the only way, you know, so the, the slower support decks would beat up on, on the Acro decks, and, but the way the Acro decks would win was they would play cards like Retreat or cards mm. like Hyperspace Jump, yeah, yeah. and both of them just rotated out. Yeah if your opponent had either one of those you could be punished by being slower mm. so the vehicle decks or the support decks because they are so slow at executing their plan you could see rounds where your opponent would roll out dish a bunch of damage and then jump out of there and you lose a whole round mm. but that's not happening anymore so you're not really you know it doesn't matter if you go 10 or 30 actions to complete your round because you're not getting punished mm. you might lose the claim but that's that's the only punishment there is in the game right now for for being 30 actions instead mm. of 10 actions Whereas in, in earlier games, you might see if you, know, you were plus 15 action, you might mm. just be too slow. Yeah
0: and and i and i think that we saw the tendency already in across the galaxy but the tendency is really com- complete now yep. namely uh, also the fact that in the beginning you could weather the storm as an ag- agro deck maybe as a low health aggro deck you could weather the storm round 1 and round 2 and hope finishing the game by early round 3 but right now you're looking at support decks that are going to kill you by round 2 if they i mean if they play an, a flawless round if you don't get the mitigation you need they're going to have out of beta. First are Mega Blaster Troopers, and then another Mega Blaster, so an Entourage followed by an Entourage followed by a high Muscle or uh, by Round 2, and you're just going to get, I mean, you're going to be picked up from the floor because they're just going to wipe you the floor with you. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's right now, that's probably where we're seeing these super uh, support decks going but it is true; they are vulnerable to to mill, and if we see a sort of a resurgence in mill decks, if we're going to see a lot of mill decks around, I would think about bringing a, a support deck for Trilogy. I'm probably looking at. Uh, at something with a messenger and Grievous, I think uh, they look really strong. As we talked about, yep. strong abilities. I'm, I'm getting really getting into the messenger. I think he's, I, he's much better than I gave him credit for in the beginning. Yeah, I, was, I think, he I think he's, he's
1: deceptively powerful. Yeah, he's yeah. hard to play. Yeah. I think he's also very, very powerful. I think so too. Me uh, saying he essentially is, a, is a six card is sort of misleading because it's so hard to actually yeah. find the spot to play it. But if you play well and you learn how to use it yeah. and you almost get that sixth card, uh, but if, of course it's not for it, you. No. Know, it's, it's definitely not the same as having it in your hand. Available no, 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 at no, all no definitely
0: not. <laughs> Just to round off, Galactic Qualifiers, uh, Galactic Qualifier Malmö, Galactic Qualifier in, uh, in Bologne. Uh, a lot of things are going to happen in between, of course. Hopefully, we'll be able to record more podcasts so we can actually talk about these events. I do want to say that I'm very, very excited about Convergence. I think Convergence, I'm excited about Rotation. I'm excited about Convergence. And honestly, apart from Entourage, apart from Force Storm, which are probably the two cards I feel they messed up on uh, in the design. They feel too strong in each their uh, unique way. I think that the set is really well designed. I'm liking uh, playing with subtypes. I think the the way that they got the deck and card to interact with each other is um, it's really brilliant um, yeah. I, I think the game is in a better state than I've seen for a very long time
1: yeah I've yet to draft with convergence so I'm not sure how it works out but one thing I think they so of course you know we've talked about it earlier but in order to have good cards you got to have bad cards mm-hmm. and but do you think the downgrades thing like the whole uh, bounties and, and down, <laughs> they, they it just sort of didn't hit the spot they're just you know, you could just tell by the way it was, you know, just game design, it, they were going to be pretty bad, like, every, everyone knew that. Yeah but I think they're just proven to be even worse than we expected and just so unplayable and no it, it, it's not right just, now I mean, maybe in mean, draft there, I don't it, know it's I super bad
0: uh, I, I mean the, the the only subtype they really messed up on was the bounty hunter probably the subtype that most people they are waiting for everybody loves bounty hunters in Star Wars yeah. I don't know they had like 2 minutes of fame you uh, know, 45 seconds of fame in uh, in Star Wars it's what people they remember they remember they have like favorites Dengar and uh, I don't know uh, Boba Fett and so on they're, they're people People's favorites and they want good uh, bounty hunters. FFG, they never saw those movies apparently. Mas this is uh, this is the end of our 24-hour uh, striptease Man, time uh, episode. Time flies when you're in time flies when, Yeah, no, Exactly. We hope to uh, be back before three months.
1: That'd be nice. That'd be
0: nice. So our aim is to start recording a podcast regularly again. Yeah. Uh, we will find time for it. Uh, we love making our podcasts. A lot of work goes into making them, uh, though, and a lot of time. But we promise you that we'll be here. Before we round off, last comment, Masuton. Normally, we at this point we would say that we record live from Ask Gaming Cafe right there in the heart of Copenhagen. We are recording live
1: with a live audience.
0: Yeah, now we record live with a live audience. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Ask Gaming Cafe, as I wrote in an article, oh, yeah. it has closed down. Yeah.
1: God damn uh, it! Yeah. We lost our home. Our our base uh, is is now. Uh, I don't know. My living room is <laughs> <laughs> now and uh, a big church in. Uh, a shady part of uh, of Copenhagen, yeah. uh, abandoned. Or maybe it wasn't abandoned. There's was like 150 people there eating <laughs> and playing games, yeah. but uh, that's now our new home. Yeah. Uh, feel free to drop by Absalon People's Space. Absalon
0: People's Space. That's what it's called. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. stick to that one. Absalon okay. People's Space. Okay.
0: Some things they don't change though. Our podcast is still produced by Aliana tovar Veles and. You've been listening to the Your Destiny podcast. Remember, you cannot escape your destiny.